to the Pulse Banyan Tree podcast in the mind of the dance maker. Here, the renowned choreographer Shobhana Jayasinghe speaks to Pulse editor Sanjeevani Dutta about her memories of her Bharatanatyam dance guru Samraj Pillai, her journey as a choreographer, and why being an artist is a political act. You started off as a Bharatanatyam soloist, touring UK venues sometimes with your guru samraj pillai and musicians what are your most fond memories of your dancing years i guess being with samraj pillai and you know learning from him being choreographed by him touring with him i mean he was just a, an amazing person he really was for what he represented you know the the tradition he represented as one of the oldest sort of um, families who had taught bharatanatyam for you know probably hundreds of years i mean when you spoke to him you realized he was uh, his imagination was kind of dipped in uh, ink that was very ancient that's the sort of feeling you got from it you know it's not just him as a person it's really what he represented that i valued he was also um, a person with a huge big personality um and very difficult to predict and he had a kind of i don't know how to call it. i mean he he had incredible charisma on stage he really did he had a brilliant brilliant voice and just being in his home you know waiting for a long time because it wasn't like going to a college or school it was very you know it's very personal when he taught you if he taught you what he taught you so it was a, a a very unique experience which I was very you know privileged to have and uh, when he was in britain i mean like you know, one of the things i remember is like you know one night when i was like ironing my costume for the next day it's quite late like 10 o'clock he'd come and say oh you know i have this idea for a new jatti what do you think so you know it's going to go like this and he was trying to teach me uh or some changes he wanted to make in a jatti in a varna and you know so like between ironing and learning um so i think it's a whole it's a different way of learning it's it's not as we have it now in a kind of professionalized education format where you you know go to class and you you know bell rings and then you kind of do something with your teacher it's a sort of a model where learning and living which is so uh, organically intertwined that um it made the whole learning experience so different you know often i'd have lunch with him in his house with his family at six children you know there i learned a lot more than probably when i was dancing in front of him you know he would be telling me some stories or some anecdotes and the relationship uh, you know that i had with him that was part of the learning it was always a personal relationship which you couldn't test through reason yeah. or any kind of other sort of collegiate sort of format i mean i remember uh, you know his father who was obviously a very celebrated ramaya play i remember him telling me that he would know whether the person was going to be a good dancer when they first entered his house and opened his gate yes you know they were so attuned yeah there was a kind of you know they valued i don't know whether it's right or wrong i don't know but what it taught me was that they valued instinct um and yeah they valued instinct more than reason so that's why sometimes they could end up being sort of unreasonable in certain ways but they were brilliantly instinctive 
you know, in uh, other ways, which sort of more than made up for it. And yourself as a dancer, uh, did, did you enjoy the experience of it and did you ever miss it? Uh, no, I, I definitely don't miss it. I think I never really rated myself as a uh, you know, a brilliant dancer or even a very, very good dancer. I was certainly very interested in dancing and I put a lot of effort into it. Um, and I probably maybe demanded too much of myself. So I was constantly disappointed. It, it, I just loved learning. I really did. You know, I loved learning. I loved the sort of physical literacy that it uh, came my way just by learning dance. Um, you know, I love the history of it. So I think the learning of it and the analysis of it is something I really enjoyed. But I wasn't unhappy to stop being a performer. And this idea of choreography and being a choreographer, when did that um, idea or the concept of that and that's that you thought this is something I could do. Did that happen slowly or was like it was there like a moment of, you know, illumination? I know I think it was slowly and sort of incremental, if you like. Uh, I suppose it really came from me uh, always wanting to know why this dance looked like this or, you know, why was it repeated like this? You know, um, what uh, certain shapes, what, what they meant. And just the design, I suppose, that's what I'd say. The design of the dance was something that always interested me. And that's something I, you know, talk a lot with Samraj Pillay about. And so it's the politics of the dance interested me always. Uh, the projection of the, the women, uh, you know, the sort of sexual politics uh, that's there in uh, Bharatanatyam. Um, and then also the design of the dance uh, in space and in time. These were things that always intrigued me. And I think uh, at some point they intrigued me more than actually performing the dance, you know. And so I suppose that was the first step towards choreo you know, choreography. I think Chandra Roy talks about your kind of instinct for composition. And over the 30 years, obviously, this has been refined and refined. So um, did you face any kind of challenges being recognized as a British choreographer? Yes, I think it's still very much a challenge, I think. It's not that anyone's stopping me choreographing. I think uh, the hardest thing really has been to, to assert one's right to choreograph and inhabit um, a contemporary or to have validation for one sort of uh, vision for all the things, you know, so that one doesn't have to be restrained uh, just because of one's ethnicity. I think particularly in dance, it's a, it's a problem in a way that it isn't if you're a writer, maybe. I mean, as a writer, if you're a British and you're Asian, you may choose to write about your past, but you also may choose to write a science fiction book, or you may write to choose, you know, to do a children's book. Um, but with dance, because it's so much to do with the body, and I think Indian dance is to do with the female body in particular, I, it was very difficult to um, just assert one's right to, for the freedom to choose um you know, where you wanted to find your stories. You know, and, I, and I think very gradually, I, it dawned on me the preconceptions that people in Europe have about anything east of Venice is so strong. You know, it's, it's in the language, 
it's in people's perceptions, it's how holidays are sold, uh, it's what's shown on TV, it's people's choices of images. So there's, you know, for about the last, I don't know, 500 years, there's been a culture of the Orient, the Oriental women, that goes very, very deep, and it's, um, I think, mostly subconscious. So that's a huge barrier that I am constantly having to to deal with. Uh, and so I think most of my career as a choreographer really has been in that battlefield. And, I mean, how important is your kind of Asian and Tamil identity to you and your work? Well, obviously, it's hugely important because I haven't got any choices. <laughs> you know, it's something that I can't change. I'm a Tamil, I'm an Indian, I'm a South Indian. So obviously they're hugely important because they make me who I am and they play a part in everything I do. And I don't think they play a greater part in choreography than they do in what I cook or what I choose to wear. I just want to talk a little bit about your work. And I sort of see your work in three phases. You started off working with Bharatanatyam, sort of deconstructing it and working with an ensemble, a style which is, you know, has been predominantly solo. I'm thinking of pieces like configurations, correspondences, romance with footnotes, duets with automobiles, and then opening up the vocabulary to other forms like Kalari in, in Raid, which was 1993, based on the game of Kabaddi. And then a move when the sort of adopting contemporary moves when the kind of upright spine gives way. And um, maybe that was in frying frenzy or surface tension. So the entry of more kind of contemporary work. And lastly, I think, is a phase where you just choreograph comfortably across classical forms, ballet, Bertanatium, contemporary, just going beyond genre. I'm thinking here of kind of Tumoto, staging Sheila, contagion. My question is, how, how did you teach yourself the vocabulary of, you know, of ballet and contemporary to be able to direct your dancers? And how did you, did you watch a lot of dance? What was the way in which you got that confidence that style to you is not, it's just a form? It's interesting. You, you see three faces. I actually only see two, but <laughs> that may be my lack of uh, acuity. I don't know. Um, there's always a, you know, I think for every choreographer, there's always a phase where you're creating basically on yourself. So your body is your first territory that you plunder, I guess. As one finds out more about choreography or things that you want, you know, you, you learn from everything you've done, then, you know, the stories you want to tell actually need, at least that I found, it needed um, a much wider choice of movements for myself. Choreography, more than anything else, is about judgment, really. You know, it's about judgment and choice. So you learn to exercise your judgment. In the studio, what you, what happens, at least for me, whether they're ballet dancers or who, whatever uh, technique they've uh, chosen, is you make sequences, you know? Mm -hmm. Choreography is how that sequence becomes a phrase in some other bigger picture. So that other bigger picture is not that it's influenced, obviously, by whether it's a ballet dancer or a hip-hop dancer or a Bharatanatyam dancer, but over and above, it's a bigger picture. So, you know, th there's something one has to do 
uh, about drawing the ballet dancer into the bigger picture. But I think the most the difficult thing is to have that bigger framework in mind, what it is one wants. And then the judgment comes in, in uh, you know, using what's in the studio, what is being shown. And of course, you know, one has, I mean, I, I work a lot with tasks. So, you know, I'm always trying to get the dancer to show me lots of different things. And then as a choreographer, I feel that's my job is to look at what's in front of me and exercise judgment, you know. So this um, movement phrases, you're linking movements to make a sequence and then a longer, a longer sequence. Sometimes it's not even linking. I mean, it's it's actually more, uh, I'm just trying to think of an analogy. I suppose it's a bit like having ingredients, if you like. So, you know, if you can think of one doesn't link ingredients, yeah. it's much more organic than that. You know, uh, you may have flour, you may have uh, ground almonds, you may have salt. It's really up to you if you're going to design a, a new cake that no one's ever had before. Is how these things, you know, how you actually, uh, how are you going to integrate? It's like more like being an architect. Maybe that's because, you know, you are designing space. You're designing the pathways inside the space. And of course, for me, that's why I say choreography in some ways is, in many ways, it's outside dance because, you know, lighting, set, which is the architecture of the stage, yeah. if you like, uh, obviously music. But more than anything else, you know, dance is, it's a visual, it's a visual art. That's what you're creating. So the other big thing about choreography that, you know, people don't actually pay a lot of attention to, it only is in your head when it's not done really well, which is the editing of images. Editing of images is incredibly, it's, it's one, it's, I think it really is a kind of a template for choreographic skill. I often start with something really very, very small. I mean, like with the Monteverdi, because it's a man and a woman. And this particular madrigal is from a book that he published called um, Songs of Love and War. So I actually started off with another, not Il Combattimento, but another one, which um, he always thought love was like warfare. So, you know, I often have two sets of research and development in the studio before we actually start getting into the studio for rehearsing. And they're usually uh, separated by quite a few months. So, you know, you spend a week in a studio, you know, uh, just playing with ideas and then might go away. And then, you know, six months later, you might have another week. Then, much later, then you have your actual rehearsal period. So, you know, I just looked at another madrigal um, and, you know, with the dancers, you know, try to explore what sort of movement could be love and war at the same time, you know, which to do with relationship between a man and a woman, you know, tender, you know, maybe anger, rejection, you know, obsession. So because it was about relationships, you know, so that would, that was probably a way that I, I started. So you kind of, you know, explore movement, movement research, really, just yeah. what the studios and, you know. And the, uh, you always start with the creative team right, right, right from the start, the designer and yeah, the composer. I, yeah, I think the conversations really, yeah, correct. Start yeah, they right start from, much, much earlier than uh, the dancers, uh, you know, meeting the dancers in the studios, usually the very last, uh, you know, act, if you like. I know who the designer is going to be, the lighting designer. Uh, I've worked with the composer quite extensively. So, yeah, all that happens before 
<laughs> we start doing thinking about movement as such. But I also find that for my story as a British Asian, the tension is what I'm I use to craft my story because my presence here is always full of tension. You know, it's something that I, one can't escape. Actually, the tension that's in Bharatanatyam is is one of it's a big thing in my toolkit. I also, you know, probably when I'm choosing the dancers whom I think would be interested in working with me, uh, those are the dancers I, I'm drawn to. You know, people who have a certain muscularity about them. They enjoy working um, at, a, you know, kind of like a fever pitch, I suppose. I mean, it's an interesting you say that because I was listening to your podcast about Two Mortal and um, the remark is that you're in the sacred space and, you know, which evokes certain feelings of reverence. And you talk about an argument. I think having women in uh, in the church that's an argument <laughs> you know because the history of women in certainly in uh, you know in the anglican church has been a, a long and interesting one you know i mean there's been a lot of pushback by women you know it's not that long ago that women were allowed to be ordained so that's for me the start of an argument but also with two mortal uh, one of the stories I've just loved, um, one of the biblical stories that I've loved, uh, it's from the, the Old Testament, so the old, the Jewish yes. part of the Bible, yeah. if you like. Um, and it's really about, um, uh, Jacob, one of the, you know, kind of patriarchs, the uh, Jewish patriarchs. He sleeps outside and he fights with a divine presence. It's an angel or it's God. In fact, it's a, it's an incident that's, um, uh, been painted by lots of very famous artists. Uh, Dürer, I think he did one, the battle with the angel or God, actually, whatever, you know, it's the battle with the, it's a sort of very interesting, uh, metaphor for the human and the divine to encounter each other. I mean, usually those kind of encounters are very transcendental. They might be very peaceful, you know. But this particular encounter, I've always found it fascinating because it's one of battle, you know. It's not a brutal battle, but you, you can see that actually both these qualities, the human and the divine, they're not going to uh, slip into each other in a calm way. Yes. There's pushback from both quarters. Yeah. And so challenging each other. Yeah, that's right. And so it says, you know, he wrestled with this angel all night. So it's a long, it's a bit like Il Combatimento. Yeah. It's a sustained battle. And at the end of which, actually the divine, the angel says, can you let me go? And uh, then the human says, but then you have to bless me or I can't remember the exact words. And the way the, the divine actually engages with the human is to actually give him a blow mm -hmm. and uh, break his thigh bone. That's the way the, the duel finishes. And for the rest of his life, Jacob walks with a limp. Mm -hmm. So I just found that story. I've always found the story so resonant, uh, really mysterious. And um, that's the story yes. that uh, that's the Christian or the biblical story yeah. that I brought to two mortal, you know, it's, and I, and to me also, it seemed the sort of, you know, having six women. I mean, when we wanted it, it was actually premiered at the Venice Biennale, um, and commissioned by Dance Umbrella. You know, I, we couldn't get a church in Venice. 
for the six women, despite sending, you know, our video rehearsals to show we were not doing anything, you know, uh, sacrilegious. (laughs) But, you know, we just weren't, we weren't given a church. And sometimes there is that resistance because it just sounds a bit dangerous. A woman called Shobhna Jaising wants to bring six women dressed in red in a church and jump up and down the pews. Uh, You just, you kind of think immediately, they'll think, oh, well, you know, this is a, you know, this is, this is respectful. It's just another of those battles, which, which yeah. is, as you say, an ongoing battle yeah. for that space. Yeah, that's right. You know, to tell our stories in the spaces that we want. Yes. Um, that's, that's always been. So I, I sort of have noticed that, um, your work has become more political. I say that with a small p. I'm thinking of, uh, Fault Line, which is, uh, of the Asian rude boys, uh, which ha- just happened to coincide with the 7-7 bombings mm. and also Material Men, which is much later in 2015, yeah. which describes the practice of indentured labor from North India to the sugar plantations in the Caribbean. And of course, you had Silish Barohan, who is from Suriname himself, mm. now living in Amsterdam, yeah. and Suraj, whose parents probably went to, went to Malaysia. Would have gone to Malaysia. Yeah. So I suppose these are just things that were offered to you or you were not looking to be more political because that's not how you operate. But in a strange way, I don't know, probably say, I've always been political with a small p. I think I started being political about uh, structure, I suppose. You know, I remember the first time uh, we did configurations in um, at the place with Nyman's music, you know, three people walked out. And then I had a letter. In fact, John Ashford had someone ring up and complain to say, this is not Indian classical dance. And someone actually wrote me a letter saying how sad they felt that I'd seemed to betray Bharatanatyam, you know. So those are kind of political acts. And it's not because I'm, it's not political with a capital P. But if by political one means interrogation, uh, I think then that's something I've always been interested in. And also, as I said, you know, my stories have really come from my sort of experience of being an Asian in Britain. I think that's always going to be a political experience, whether one wants to or not. You know, one can ignore it. But if you actually want to have a magnifying glass and actually look at how one lives one's life here, you you can't help it. You know, you have to notice, yes, it's a... It's a political existence, you know, but obviously it's a choice whether you want to use the rhetoric of that or whether you want to um, be political in other ways. You know, I think it's somebody who said all poetry is political or maybe they've said all poetry is radical. It is, you know, I, I, I think maybe it's Anish who said that by being an artist, I think that is a political act per se, you know, so... For me, it wasn't a, a big change, or at least I didn't perceive it uh, when I did um, Material Men, for example, because I've always been interested. I mean, I am a product of the post-colonial era. You know, I'm really telling my story. I'm mining my own history, if you like, you know, because we're all here, or I'm here, because of the empire and uh, decisions people made. 